0: Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and
1: one. First down and a touchdown.
0: Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. I am your co-host Connor Miles with me as always is co-host Ed Kratz. The whole Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated crew is in-house today. We have John McMullen joining us as we are going into another episode of Deshaun Watson Rumors, gentlemen. Uh, the best thing that's going on right now if we're on the Eagles news is Adam Schefter went on 97.5 and uh, without being prompted dropped again the Eagles linking him to uh, linking the Eagles to Deshaun Watson. uh, fellas oh, so I got to ask, I have to start the show off. What did you guys think when you heard that news again?
3: Ed, go ahead. I'll let you. Well, go. I, you know, listen, I mean, it makes sense to connect the dots between the Eagles and the, and the Sean Watson. They have, the Eagles have the draft capital. They'll have room under the salary cap to absorb the 35 million. I think, I think it's probably a bigger cap hit next year in right. 2022. Eagles love quarterbacks. They're known for giving guys second chances when they brought Mike Vick on board. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, But um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'm not sure it's the right move. Um, SI did a great piece on Deshaun Watson, really a two-month investigation into these allegations. Um, And to me, I mean, even if he's uh, free and cleared here, there's it just didn't paint him in a very good light it almost makes him look like he does have some sexual predator <laughs> tendencies i hate to say that i don't know if they're true or not but this certainly this report makes it sound that way and i'm not sure uh how eagles fans would feel about that i would think that they would um probably not like that very much if that if those things were true so i i'm kind of against it i think that Uh, If they're going to get a quarterback, if Jalen Hurts kind of doesn't do what they want in 2022, I think they could use that draft collateral and um, maybe try to move up in the first round or who knows how the season will go. They may already be a top five picking team in the draft, but I think that's where the answer should come uh, is in the draft with that draft collateral, get a young, controllable quarterback. Um, But again, that's only if Jalen Hurts doesn't live up to what they hope he can be this uh, this fall.
1: Yeah, from my perspective, guys, uh, I mean, this is sort of like uh, one of the worst kept secrets around the NFL. Deshaun Watson, it's it's a big if, as Ed mentioned. If the allegations are cleared up, the Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson, period. End of sentence. Um, I know Adam, you know, uh, Adam's the best reporter in the NFL. When he says something, people put credence on it. He didn't say anything new. This has been going around. Going around. I had Mike garofolo on my show about eight weeks ago, and I phrased the question. I said, Mike, and from a national perspective, Ed knows this, nobody's more plugged into the Eagles than Mike garofolo So I asked him if the allegations are cleared up. About, now, he used the word evaporated. I said, if the allegations evaporate, however that is, settlements, uh, he, he's springing clear, how quickly does Howie pick up the phone? And Mike joked, How long does it take to evaporate? Because it'll be two seconds before he picks up the phone. I mean, the Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson. The question is, can they get him? And that's a big question. They have the most draft capital, uh, as Ed mentioned. Uh, They will have the salary cap space free and clear next year. But other teams will be trying as well. I think people forget that side of the equation. This is a 25-year-old guy or 26, whatever he is now, it, and in the prime of his career, that never happens in the NFL. Top five talented quarterback available. Obviously, strange circumstances. And from what Ed was talking about, a lot of fans will have a problem with it. But Jeffrey Lurie has proven consistently he will give people second chances. Consistently. People always point to Mike Vick. You don't have to point to Mike Vick. You can go to last year with Deshaun Jackson and all the kerfuffle with with Deshaun posting some anti-Semitic things uh, on social media. This guy gives people second chances. So one of the things I've said kind of all last season, can Jalen Hurts do anything to be the long-term answer of this team if Deshaun Watson becomes available and if the Eagles can get him? The answer to that, from my perspective, is no. They're going after him. They're going after him. Period. End of sentence, which is where I started.
2: It's interesting. So nothing in your mind can – nothing Jalen Hurts can do this season can – because, I mean, these allegations are going to take some time. And he's going to be under NFL review too, even if they do clear up, I would assume. Then NFL would make an example out of him. If anything happens, well, might I would expect
1: him. him to get suspended. Whether, right. whether that looks like if it's a six game suspension, just for argument's sake. And it's tough to say that uh, because the NFL is so inconsistent right. in, in their, their punishment policies. The Eagles won't care. They'll say, okay, we'll take the six game hit and, and that'll be our quarterback moving forward. If you get to a year suspension, yeah, that complicates things a little bit. So, There's a lot of open-ended questions, but this team loves the player. Ed knows I call certain players FU players. I don't know if we can curse on here, but you can figure out what it means. I'm not saying they don't like Jalen Hurts, but this is an FU player. And you make your plans, you make your plans, you make your plans. If you're able to get a player like that, you say, thanks, Jalen, FU. Deshaun Watson's better. We're going in that direction.
3: Do mm. you think it's yeah. a good idea, John? Do you think it's a good idea, though, given the baggage that he'll bring, even if he's free and cleared? And, I, and listen, I expect Deshaun Watson to start the season probably on the exempt list. Yes. Um, uh, and then however it clears up, he probably will get suspended. So um, I, I would be surprised if he plays at all uh, in 2021. So now you have a 26-year-old quarterback coming uh, off of a season of inactivity. Um Number one, is that better than having Jalen Hurts if Hurts were to come out and throw for 3,000 yards and run for, you know, 8 to 100 yards or so? Um, And number two, is it a good move to bring in somebody with that kind of baggage? Would the Eagles risk losing a certain percentage of their fan base?
1: Well, yes. I think, as you saw with Mike Bick, there will be a certain segment of the fan base very upset by it. But they, as I've said, they – taken those hits before and they've proven they're willing to take those hits now you always have that talent versus tolerance equation Andrew Brandt always talks about um, this talent is off the charts so the tolerance goes up Uh, you know people might not like that but that's just the way it is and you know I bring up Andrew for another point because I was talking to him and, you know, he's a former executive, used to run the Packers for about a decade. So he he thinks the way the NFL, he understands the way the NFL, he brought up the point of, you know, maybe the NFL lets teams know, look, this guy's going to get suspended for six games. In other words, they clarify things behind the scenes before they clarify things for all of us. And that could open up sort of the bidding war. And as I say, with the Eagles, they're in the war. The question is, can they win the bidding? And that's that's the part of it. I think fans assume, look, if you want that player, you're going to get that player. But to Sean Watson, there might be some crazy, crazy offers. I talked about Washington. What if Washington offers Chase Young and throws that into a package? That changes the whole you know, sort of mentality, players, draft picks. People say, well, the Eagles have three draft, three first-round draft picks, potential draft choices. Yeah, they do, but they don't have a player like that to offer going the other direction. So you don't know who's going to win this bidding. But I can tell you, they want, they love the player. They want the player. And as Adam said, right now, guys, right now, they're a contender with Deshaun Watson. And everybody thinks they're a terrible football team.
2: It is interesting. I mean, I yeah, I, it's hard to ignore that. I you know, I, I had to pull this perspective of you know maybe the Eagles take their time because they have nothing but time on their hands with this situation still unraveling with Deshaun Watson in the legal case. Uh, we don't even know if he's going to play this year, so they have nothing but time to evaluate Jalen Hurts and then make a decision. But uh, if if everything's cleared up. And Jalen Hurts proves he can't play as a starting quarterback for this team. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in with Deshaun Watson. Absolutely, you get like John says. He's a top five caliber quarterback. Uh, I, I do tend to agree with him too that he would be considered an FU player. Uh, Deshaun Watson like it is a once in a lifetime opportunity to acquire a top five quarterback. It it is just a tough sell. It is just a tough sell because of everything that's going on right now. He has a tendency of at least it shows like predator traits, like Ed said to begin the game, of the show. So uh, we'll see. I mean, but it's interesting to say like, no matter what the Eagles are in on this, but so are the dolphins. The only thing that the Eagles have on the dolphins is the dolphins gave them their first round pick. So Washington gets in on it. And you're right. They offer, even if it's not chase young, they still have like a Montez sweat to offer. They still have a lot of young cores on that pieces of that team to offer that uh, would appease Houston, especially if they are in on Davis mills, they could take a Brandon Sharif back in that deal. If they're in on Davis mills, like they, like they're rumored to be. Uh, so it would be interesting to see what the bidding war looks like because it's going to be more than those three first-round picks.
1: Yeah, I think that depends on uh, sort of where we are with the allegations. Uh, A lot of people have speculated – you know, maybe you get Deshaun Watson for pennies on the dollars because of those acquisitions. In other words, the price tag comes down because of all the the the, the hits you're going to take from a public relations standpoint. There's so much uncertainty here. There's so much that that has to be decided. Ed's right, July twenty-seventh, I expect that Deshaun Watson will be placed on the commissioner's exempt list or a couple of days before whenever the NFL decides to do it. So I, I don't think this is going to be a conversation until next year. Um, and then it's going to pick up. And that's why I say, I, in a lot of ways, I don't think this this whole thing is fair to Jalen Hurts because, man, he's got a really, really small path to prove himself to this team to be the long-term starter. I mean, he has to overachieve to a ludicrous degree, both statistically And from a one-win-loss standpoint, I'm talking 11, 12 wins. Then they might say, you know what? We got something here. Eight wins, which would be overachieving, according to most people. Big statistical year. Eagles are still going to go to Deshaun Watson if they can get him. So what can Jalen Hurts do?
3: And maybe he gets traded to Houston in, in that deal if yeah. it comes to that, um, and he has that good statistical year. But, listen, I, I'm on record right now, mid-July. I would stay away from Deshaun Watson. I just don't think he would be um, – I know he's talented, but I just think there's too much off-the-field baggage. And, listen, back when they brought in Mike Vick, I was – I for some reason, I was okay with that. I know what he did, but, you know, Mike Vick served – what was it, 18 months in a state penitentiary at Leavenworth? I mean, federal. He federal. federal. Right. A federal. Yeah. I mean, he paid his dues. So I was like, okay, listen, the guy paid his dues. He's ready. So I felt differently with Mike Vick. And I know that alienated a lot of the fan base, including my sister, who is still has including not. Including me. I'm a dog lover. Hate it. Yeah, right. You love dogs. And, and yeah. but you know, listen, talking to Mike Vick, getting to know him in the locker room those few years he was here. I mean, He seemed very contrite. He seemed like he did learn his lesson, hasn't gotten in any trouble since. But uh, I just wonder about Deshaun Watson, how he would kind of make things right. Even if he's found completely innocent of these charges, it just does not look, you know, like he's, uh, you know, he he just looks like he has predator tendencies. And I don't think that's a good thing uh, at all. And I would stay away from him, but I get it, Um, you know, top 10 talent, all that stuff. But you know, I would just go for another younger quarterback in the draft, one you can control for four years at a relatively decent price and have him come in and compete like Nick Sirianni wants. Come on in and compete for the quarterback job. That's the way I would go. I'm not sure the Eagles go that way, though.
1: Yeah. Well, from my perspective, I'm, I'm all I can do is lean on. Remember, this is if he's cleared, if, if the allegations go away. Look, if he's, if he's done these things – I mean, a criminal complaint will be opened and it'll go to jail and it won't be an issue. But what I say from the Eagles' perspective is Jeffrey Lurie, and usually I rip him, I'm going to compliment him here, he's been very consistent when it comes to second chances. You're either for him or you're against him. He has proved every single time he is for them. I don't see why it changes in this instance with a player who's better than the other players that he's given second chances to.
2: It makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. I think you know. Let's see right now if the quarterback that has come overcame so many odds can be the guy to overcome the odds and be the quarterback. Your long term answer in Jalen Hurts. If not, I'm gonna have to say I'm with a Deshaun Watson train then. If everything's cleared up, because I look at this draft class and I know there's gonna be some guys that surprise us and then make that there is potential Joe Burrow type leaps in this class. I I really like Malik Willis a lot, but uh, you got to take the proven thing there in Deshaun Watson. I think this team, uh, this offense with being how young it is with Devonte Smith really becoming your one number one wide receiver, they would benefit so much from having a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Uh, but if I'm Houston, I'm thinking, you know, my starting point for this, this trade negotiation is the Carson Wentz trade. If he can play like the worst quarterback in the NFL last year and still net the Eagles, what he ended up uh, getting them in compensation wise, uh, the off the field stuff, so be it. But Deshaun Watson has never played like that, so we need to start that conversation at a first and a third, and and no less. Eagles will definitely meet that for sure. Uh, but uh, you know how he has been shown to try to win negotiations before. I know you. I know he loves a player, but if uh, Washington and Miami are in there, we'll see. They have a lot of young assets to give up as well. Miami can move Xavier Howard if needed. He's still a young corner. Uh, oh
1: yeah, there's so many teams. Denver would be in the conversation. Denver Carolina, well. yes, well. Carolina badly wanted Deshaun Watson before everything blew up. I mean, they're not married to Sam Darnold. Uh they're gonna take a look at him and yeah, that was they a flyer. Yeah. There are so many teams that are gonna be involved in this when it comes. You're gonna have teams where that have have had bad seasons and say, okay, we got to go in a different direction. And they're going to be involved. It, it's going to be a bidding war when it happens. And, and I do think it's going to happen because worst case scenario here, suspension, six games, maybe worst case scenario, one full season. From a criminal perspective, look, nothing's moving in that direction. So this is completely a civil uh, suit, civil allegations. He's going to play again. It's a matter right. of where.
2: John, I'm glad we had you on today, too, because uh, you were the first to report on this Dallas-Goddard potential extension. Uh, what do you think this is going to happen?
1: Uh, the Eagles are working on an extension. By the way, Dallas himself uh, confirmed that. So, I mean, that was a little bit he pretty yeah, out he of did, proportion. Yeah. But um, the Eagles want to get an extension done. The thing with Dallas-Goddard, what complicates it is, Look, he's going to be the tight end one this year. He's going to be the guy, and the Eagles expect him to have a big year. If he wants to bet on himself and, you know, he stays healthy and he's on the field for 17 games now, he's going to have some big numbers. And he's – remember, contracts are always about timing and circumstance. Dallas Goddard has a big year, bets on himself. He's going to be the highest paid tight end. In the NFL, he's going to get more money than George Kittle. I'm not saying he's a better player, but that's just how contracts work right. in this league. Um, so the Eagles would let, like to get them done at a more team-friendly, cost-effective uh, extension. Um, can they get it done? Kind of, you know, the ball's in Dallas's court. There's no question the Eagles, we know the Eagles' history. They identify players they want. They want to extend them early to get sort of a, a, a discount. If I was Dallas Goddard, I would look at the two contracts signed by New England and say, that's my floor. I'm not taking less than that. And then if I want to bet on myself, he could cash in. So if the player, it's kind of up to the player. The Eagles want to get it done.
2: I uh, Yeah, I would <laughs> I would assume the Eagles would want to get it done immediately right now before that happens and this season happens and he exceeds his market value that he is whatever they're negotiating right now uh that's why I would feel like this is a uh, before the season extension that gets done if if Dallas decides to agree to that but yeah I I, I don't think that's crazy at all you know I, I saw people being like whoa like, I don't think he's gonna get to be the highest paid tight end I, I absolutely think that that's how inflation works with these contracts I think if he was to hit the open market he would be the highest paid tight end and Eagles are gonna have to pay him that this offseason, no matter what because I uh, I do expect a big season from Dallas Goddard. Look at what Mo Ali Cox, you know Hunter Henry; those guys were in Nick Sirianni and St. Etienne systems and exceeded. Uh, really, I think their talent levels at, at times. I, I think Dallas Goddard is just going to have a huge year. Uh, so there's no. I, if I'm the Eagles, I get this done immediately. I would hope to get it done immediately, but uh, they still have another tight end situation to resolve too. Because if that extension gets done. Uh, while well, Ertz is still in town, that's I I, I envision that being a problem, or at least some kind of stir up in the in the locker room. You you would think. I mean, you know, no, you I don't guys think begging... they
1: can get an extension done until they do something with yeah, Zach Ertz. Agreed. They don't have the money. Um, to do it. Yeah, to do. they don't have the money. They have a little less than five million. Uh, you still have to factor Landon Dickerson in there as well. Uh, Ooh, yeah. so they have to make a move, uh, with Zach Ertz at some point. We are where we are on the calendar. What is the date? I don't even know. July 15th. 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at this point, you've gone this long. If you're Howie Roseman, you might as well take it into camp and hope for an injury, and that creates desperation. Um, maybe with a contender who thinks they're a piece or two away. I don't know. Is, I, I think exactly they've done – yeah, I think they've done Zach dirty. A little bit to be honest
2: well oh, yeah. I agree I absolutely yeah. agree but I mean that's exactly what they're doing they're dragging it out until there's a there's an offer worth taking that's exactly, right. exactly exactly right
3: they've gone this far with him I mean why would you just cut him now before camp I mean they'll go to camp probably Zach won't show up get his fine forty fifty thousand I think it's fifty thousand dollars per day for what he misses but you know they could probably work around that kind of a you know come to a, some kind of a deal with Ertz on that
1: yeah, complicated by that, Ed. Real quick, the yeah. new
3: CBA changes.
1: You can't waive bonds, so Zach will get bond forty thousand dollars a day. But again, this is why I like talking. I think it was uh, Randy Mueller, who was the ex GM of the Dolphins and the Saints. He mm-hmm. told me there are ways to get around it. In that, might have been Andrew, Andrew Brandt, so whoever. But there are ways to get around it. You could have them report and not put them on the field. In other words, you know, wink, wink, Zach shows up. You're not going to get fined, but we're not going to have you practice. Stay in a hotel room, stay in your house, whatever, and get around it that way. You know, GMs tend to be innovative with those types of things. But you can't wave Back in the old days, you could say, we're going to find a guy. We're going to find a guy. We're going to find a guy throughout training camp. And then when you finally make up, you can waive the fines. You can't waive those fines anymore. So that complicates matters a little bit even further. But GMs are smart.
3: Howie's smart. He'll figure out a way to get around it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. That but, completely. but keeping him the longer they keep him, the further it complicates the Goddard deal. I mean, you know, Dallas admitted on that call we had with him during the OTAs that it seems like he wants to get a deal done um, sooner oh, rather yeah. than later. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I don't think he wants to kind of bet on himself through the season. I mean, especially after he had that freak injury last year, you know, he's kind of felt now that, Hey, I'm, I'm mortal. You know, I can get hurt at any time. Um, so he wants to get a deal done. There's no doubt he would rather sign before the season begins in my opinion. And based on what he said, um, but the Eagles can't do anything until they figure out what they're going to do with Zach Ertz. So, you know, the longer they keep him around, the uncertainty surrounding Goddard's extension will continue. Um, yeah,
1: that, you know you're right because Dallas certainly sounded like he would like the security. <clears <yeah>. <clears <throat> Excuse me. You know his agents are uh, the Carson Wentz's agents, uh, the Tolner brothers and uh, uh, Chase Callahan. So, you know, but they're telling him what I said. Look, Dallas, if you if you want to play this out, you're going to be the highest paid tight end in football. So we got. But as an agent, you know, your job is to offer advice. So it's kind of a Dallas Goddard decision. Do you want that security as you mentioned it, or do you want to bet on yourself and potentially uh,
3: set the market? And, and listen, we extrapolate these great numbers for Goddard, you know, this season and, Yeah, that's all well and good in theory and on paper. But listen, this is a a completely different offense we're going to be looking at. And I know he'll be involved, but you also have playmakers in Devontae Smith, who he's going to be involved. And I I think they're going to try to get Jalen Rager involved. They're going to throw the ball out of the backfield to Miles Sanders and probably Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. I mean, you know, how many – there's only one football. I mean, how many uh, great catches and great numbers is, is Dallas Goddard going to put up? I mean, that's another unknown. Not only is the injury an unknown, the injury factor, but you can't guarantee him 80 catches for 900-plus yards and eight touchdowns and parlay that into some great contract. He may not have that kind of opportunity in this new offense.
1: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we don't know anything about this coaching staff. (laughs) We can speculate. We don't know what we're going to see. But if I were advising Dallas, I would say, look, yeah, Devontae Smith is going to get traffic. No question about that. But he is a rookie player. And then it's Dallas Goddard. I mean, those are the two guys. Those are going to be the foundations. I I remember all those off the records, Ed. You remember with Doug Peterson. He said, we start game planning with 86 and 17. Sean Jeffrey went healthy and Zach Ertz. The Eagles are going to start game planning with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I, I mean, those are their best players by far. And, and I say that with Devontae. Obviously, it's a projection, but he just looks different from anything else they have at wide receiver. Um, those are going to be the guys. And if you're one of those two guys, you're going to get the traffic if you're healthy.
3: Yeah. I think you got to put I, Paul Sanders in that conversation, too. I think, you know, it's tough to well, game. To more in the that. passing
1: game? Yeah. yeah,
3: right. But I, I think they're going to use him heavily in the passing game. I mean, it's a guy that caught 50-plus passes as a rookie, uh, really tailed off last year. But, I mean, he's a guy that's proven he can catch the ball. So I think he's going to get some targets out of the backfield, maybe more uh, right now than we expect.
2: I think Kenny Gamble is going to fill a big uh, void in those uh, passes out of the backfield void, to be honest with you. That's really what he's brought in here for. But I agree. I think Miles Sanders will do that as well. But I, I hear what John's saying. I agree with that. Uh, Dallas got their most proven weapon right now. They're going to run him this season. I think this offense is going to run through Dallas Goddard this season, and hopefully Devontae Smith picks it up, whereas they can shift uh, more into that because he's going to be their number one wide receiver. But uh, right now, Dallas Goddard's their most proven weapon, and the, the target share with him and Jalen Hurts, he was second behind Rager. So, uh, so there's already a connection between Goddard and Hurts already there. So uh, I agree. I think he's going to be the number one option uh, going forward until Smith takes on that, that larger role. But we actually have a good question here from uh, uh, Dakota. He says, "Does the e- does the way the Eagles are going about the Earth situation hurt our chances of landing some big free agents? If I was a player, it wouldn't sit with me too well." What do you guys think about that? It's a business. Well, I think right? money
3: talks. I think money talks yeah. with free agents. I mean, listen, if you're going to throw a lot of money at somebody, I don't think he cares. You know, if it's uh, you know Matt Kavanaugh or or Jalen Hurts or Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, I think that's the bottom line. Is you know, show me the money. And you know, I'll come and I'll catch passes from whoever you want me to catch passes from. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I've asked that question myself, Connor, to to a bunch of people. Um, and you know, because I frame it as like if they could do this to a franchise great, what can they do to you? But players Ed's right, players don't think that way. It's about money. Um, it's about, you know, their contract and I don't think it'll have that much of an effect. It, where it will affect and has affected the Eagles. I'm, actually, I can't even say that. You talk about people like Steven Nelson. We've talked about him forever. Well, you know, the Eagles have a set price they want to go with on Steven Nelson. Um, they're not going above it, evidently. And we'll see how it shakes out. But um, you could use that $8.5 to to do some different things. But until they need it, I don't think it's really an impetus for them. And right now they feel like they don't need it.
2: I agree with that. Because every situation is different for a player. And I mean Earth's situation is that they're trying to, you know, go on to his backup, go on to his air and move on. So I, I, I don't think that this will really hurt their chances. I think it it changes the perspective for fans of the team in the front office because yeah. we can't believe they're doing this to a franchise caliber player. But it is a business, and I mean, they If er, if the Dallas Goddard wasn't in the picture, I don't think Zach Ertz is getting treated this way. But Dallas Goddard is in the picture. He's a young tight end that they really, really like, and we're preparing to move on to last year. Even last year, they were trying to force him into be the tight end one role. Uh, so I, I I really don't think the situation hurts their chances with other players. I don't believe that at all. It's it's really a business, and each each individual player has a different situation with their with their respective clubs. So I don't think that I think that's right. I don't think a player can view it that way. That's tunnel vision.
1: No, yeah. Howie said I um when he went on his money Bowl rant, because um, I asked him that question. He said sometimes you gotta play the bad cop. It's playing the bad cop at Zach Ertz. Um, it is, it's business, and it sucks for Zach Ertz. From Zach's perspective look, he played in that Seattle playoff game with a lacerated kidney and a broken rib. Shouldn't have been out there. And I think he looks at, look at what I did for this organization. And now he knows next time, hopefully there is no next time, don't play. (laughs) That's basically it. But it's tough to tell guys who are so competitive. You know, they want to go out there for their teammates. They want to win the game. But yeah, it sucks for them. I mean, you would you would hope that that would build up some goodwill, and that's why I said the Eagles, to be honest, have done Zach Ertz dirty. But sometimes you got to play the bad guy.
2: So I wanted to get into this next topic and discuss it with you guys because I know John loves the trenches more than anyone, and this <laughs> offensive line is really, you know, it's still a question mark because, you know, the 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 big debate was. Should Landon Dickerson compete for a left guard job with, as I say, And right now he's not signed, and we're going to discuss uh, when we believe he'll be signed or figure something out with that. Uh, but other than that, we're for, I think we do forget a player, and I, he is starting to get mentioned this this last couple of days, is Nate Herbig. You know, Nate Herbig came on last year and came on strong, and he looks like he has a future role for this team as a starter. He may replace Brandon Brooks when it is time for Brandon Brooks to leave the Philadelphia Eagles. But he showed he could play left guard, too. Should he be put into the equation if there is a competition at left guard if Sayamala's job
3: isn't as concrete as we believe? How about it, Mr. Trenches? What do you think?
1: Uh, No. Uh, Jeff Stoutman loves Isaac Sayamala. Honestly, from the Eagles' perspective, I think they think he's one of the most underrated players on the team. Uh, They think he's really, really good. And ultimately to me, yeah, to you know, Jason, uh Kelsey, uh, by the way, is Travis Kelsey uh is he trolling us all? Did you guys see that?
2: He said so he, he clarified it with uh Tyree Kill. He said, I, I go by both. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he is trolling. I think he is trolling <laughs> as well.
1: So I'm I'm I think gonna think Jason keep calling
2: right to this by now.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna keep calling Jason Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. But Um, he's going to retire at some point. And obviously, I think this is Brandon Brooks' unfortunately his last year in Philadelphia most likely. Um, So ultimately, those are the two positions you're going to be replacing in the short term. Remember, I compare Isaac not as a player, but remember when the Eagles drafted Lane Johnson, the original plan was, we're going to start him at right tackle, and then we're going to kick him over the left tackle, When Jason Peters retires, never happened. Jason kept playing and playing and playing and playing. And Jeff Stoutland showed up one year ahead. I forget what year. I'm not moving Lane Johnson, period. He's so good at right tackle. Kind of get that same feeling when Isaac Sayamalo. At first they said he's the heir apparent at center. That's his most natural position. Now they think he's a really good left guard and they're not going to move him. And he's going to play left guard. And then Landa Dickerson. remember, guys, he's not healthy, he's not he's not ready. Right. He, he tore his ACL. He said so. Landa Dickerson to me is about 2022, and he's gonna be the starter at either center if Jason retires, or right guard if Jason's playing and Brandon Brooks is gone. And then Nate will be in the conversation if you need two of those. If you got to replace them both, Kelsey and Brooks. I think Nate would be in the conversation to play right guard, probably with Jack Driscoll, and who knows, they might draft somebody else. But Nate
3: played really well last season, really yeah. well. See, I, I wonder if they would put Herbig at center even. As, yeah, he can play center. Uh, and keep Dickerson, at least early in his career, at guard because it's easier on the knees apparently, um, and just leave him at guard. Um, and, and you know, Doug Peterson talked about this, that when there were injuries up front, they'd rather keep one guy there instead of moving one player that's a starter to another position. It just messes up the whole continuity. And and I'm sure that's a Jeff Stoutland theory that Doug was just kind of, you know, spouting. So, you know, Stoutland does not like to move players around yeah, on that he line. He, he doesn't like to cover his base that way. So, yeah, I think Siamalu stays put at right guard. Now, maybe Dickerson challenges him if he's healthy. Um, but I think, like John said, he's very underrated. That's kind of how everybody on the team and in that room feels about Isaac Ciamalo. And they think he's a very good player. He may not get the acclaim nationally or even locally that he he deserves. Um, And it's interesting about Isaac. He's the last man standing from that 2016 draft class, which is kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing when you, when you think about it. Um, But, you know, he, he'll stay put. And then I think Herbig will just be one of those kind of super subs on the interior, um, you know, kind of like Halapulavati Vaitai was at tackle, you know, that important swing tackle position. I think Herbig will just be the swing interior lineman um, behind Brooks, Ciamalo, and even Kelsey. Uh, I, I'm not so sure that Dickerson will be the center when Kelsey retires. I think that job could go to Nate Herbig.
1: Yeah, it's possible. They can all, and that's the beauty of, of the versatility, as you mentioned it. Um, all those guys. Isaac can play all three positions. Nate can landon can in theory as a rookie. It's a nice problem to have if you're if you're Jeff Stoutland. One of the silver linings about last year, as ugly as it was, now you know Herbig and, and Jordan Milata and um you know, even Jack Triscoll, even Matt Pryor, they all got all these reps. And, you know, Jim Schwartz used to call them startup costs. You got that out of the way now. Now you've got all these guys with some serious experience at the NFL level. I think that's a silver lining for all the offensive line attrition last year.
0: Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same day funding if approved before ten thirty a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. So, what's up with Dickerson? Why
3: isn't? Well, it, what, what do you think's the holdup on the signing? Well, of I the just New gotta Dickerson? say
2: what John said to start off. That was like. I felt like I just, it came right out for what I was been saying for months, man. I love Isaiah Sayamalu. he's a great player, and he's and I'm glad somebody in the comments mentioned it too. His contract is so affordable, and it's multi years. Yeah. He ha- I, he has to stay a left guard. I think Landon Dickerson's gonna play center. I do think he's gonna play Kelsey at center because, you know, I think like Ed, you and I've said it before, Jason Kelsey playing center was an anomaly. You know, you're not supposed to be that good as a center of that size. Uh, I do think. When it, and it was thought of, like John mentioned, which was a great comparison. When he when they brought in Isaac Amalu, they announced him as a center when he was drafted, when he was picked. Uh, it was always thought of that he was going to be there. Parent, and then he settled in left guard. Uh, they I thought that they always wanted to shift to that bigger type center, like a Ryan Kelly has in Indianapolis, and that's why I compared. And he was also uh, the former Alabama center as well. I compare Landon Dickerson to. I think that's the type of center that he can be, and that's why I think Nick Sirianni coming from Indianapolis would want and. Let's see how it goes. So, I do think it is a redshirt season for Landon Dickerson, and he will learn from Jason Kelsey this year and replace him at center. But I, I don't, I would be shocked if Isaac Samalu, unless injury happens, is moved from left guard. I think he takes it. I think that's his spot.
1: Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't even think it's even a question in the Eagles' mind. Yeah. I mean, he's the left guard. Jeff Stoutman, I mean, that's, that's Jeff Stoutman's left guard. And I don't even think right. Nick Sirianni's overrolling Jeff Stoutman. I think he's got more power right. than anybody in that building as, as a coach. But, yeah, he loves I, I thought he it was him. funny
2: because there was still, like, debate about it, if there should be a competition at left guard with Leonard yeah. Dickerson. And as I said, I'm Amalo and I, 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 I was like, why? I mean, we, like you said, we don't know if Leonard Dickerson is going to even play this year. It might be a redshirt season for him, which wouldn't be a bad thing. At all. He should probably take the time to heal. He's had multiple injuries. It wouldn't be a bad thing at all. And he takes over for Jason Kelsey next year while he learns on the sidelines this year. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah,
1: and I think the Eagles are going to be really cautious with Landon because he's a monster. Ed, you've seen him out there. He's 330 pounds. Big man. Typically, it's nine months. Remember, whenever he had – I think he had surgery in January. Um, So, typically, it's nine months. But – You know, ACL nine months for even a a running back receiver, guys who are 180, 200 pounds versus a 330-pound guy. We've seen Brandon Brooks with the Achilles. Did that contribute to the second Achilles? Because he got back really, really quickly. None of us know that for sure, but I think they're going to be very, very cautious uh, with Landon Dickerson. I don't think he's going to redshirt. He's going to be on the team. You know, maybe they put him on the pup list to start. Yes. Maybe they give him an extra mm-hmm. six weeks. But That's what I think yeah. is going to
3: happen. Yeah, I think they pup him. But even Howie said after they drafted him that it's not a redshirt year. We're not no. you know, we're not planning on sitting him the whole year. But I absolutely think pup is a possibility. And I think that could be what's holding up this, this contract. I know it's kind of a slotted number. Um, but I think, you know, he wants something, some kind of language included that deals with the injury situation that he's
1: Yeah, had. that's – yeah, typically yeah. – there, as you mentioned, Ed, contracts are slotted. So there's no real holdouts in the NFL from rookies anymore. Um, the two things they argue about are offset language, uh, which is injury-related, um, and uh, usually the timing of the money. So, you know, players generally want their money up front. Uh, you have certain dates you have to hit uh, signing bonuses and um, – Teams like to defer that at times as quickly as possible for bookkeeping purposes, whatever it's so it's boring stuff, but Landon will be there July 27th. To, you know, yeah. there, there's no holdouts anymore.
2: I, I have no problem with him being backup center. Then if when he's ready to go or just be a backup this year, I have no problem with that at all. I, I really don't. Um, let's move on though. Cause I know we have the film position reviews that we're doing. I mean, excuse me, other position reviews we're doing for SI and, uh, linebackers was just done. And I thought this would be a great topic to get into because, you know, Alex Singleton's becoming a fan favorite among the Eagles <clears> fans. And, you know, he's really taken an unheralded type leadership role. I mean, he was front and center for the media every week in and week out for press conferences, it seemed like. uh, What does he have to do really this year to earn a long – to me, he has to repeat what he did last year if he wants to become a starter for this football team going forward. Am I wrong? Does he need to do more? What do you guys think?
3: John, you wrote the series on the linebackers, you know, you kind of examined the uh, whole position and, you know, Eric Wilson obviously is a big factor in there, but you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Do you think Singleton uh, has to go out and prove himself all over again here? Yeah, he does.
1: You know, I feel bad for Alex in a, in a way, because, you know, we all know his story, you know, undrafted free agent. I thought it was interesting. He hooked on, I think with Seattle. and And if mm-hmm. you think about Pete Carroll, he was in New England with with Belichick for a while. He was with Minnesota with Zimmer for a while. Then he goes to CFL, becomes a star. I, I mean, the best defensive player in that league. Then he comes back, and he becomes, you know, the Eagles signed him to be a special teams player, bottom line. And he was a really good special teams player. And they didn't want to play him at linebacker. They didn't want to play him at linebacker. And then all the attrition happens. The Nate Garrys of the world and, who shouldn't have been playing, fans hate, hate Gary. And he, and, he, and he comes in and he looks good and he looks competent. And then they get rid of Jim Schwartz and Ken Flajul. And you have a new coaching staff in there, Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rallis, who's the same age as as, as Alex. Um, He's got to prove himself again. And we we don't know what the Eagles are going to do. But you can kind of look at, okay, where did Gannon come from? It's Mike Zimmer, essentially. Uh, where did Brawlers come from? Mike Zimmer. You look at, you know, what do they have at linebackers? Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and Eric Wilson. They want very athletic linebackers. You go to Indianapolis with Gannon, Darius Leonard. They want very athletic linebackers. In a lot of ways, I think this position might be the most interesting in the whole summer because of this. I I find myself defaulting to, well, if Schwartz was here, you know, Wilson and Singleton are going to be the guys. They're going to be the two linebackers. I think everything's open up with this group. Davion Taylor is by far the most athletic linebacker the Eagles have. I mean, it's not even close can he play? I have no stinking idea. He's so raw. I don't know. But can he get on the field? What are they going to do? I thought one of the most interesting draft picks, maybe the most interesting one, is Jacoby Stevens. Are they going to use more of a hybrid group out there? Do they Are they looking for that player? Are they looking for that athleticism? We kind of know Ryan Kerrigan's going to be the stand-up rusher. But if you think about Mike Zimmer, you think about those A-gaps, they put the linebackers right on top of the center. And what they want the quarterback to do is think, what the hell's going on? Are they blitzing? Are they coming? Are they dropping off in coverage? He wants athletic guys.
3: and So and that Curry, to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to jump in, but Kerrigan, yeah. you mentioned him. He could be one of those guys that lines up in that – Uh, center guard gap, you know, as a standing rusher coming up the middle or dropping back. So um, that's going to be an interesting role. But I'm sorry. Yeah, so where does Singleton fit in there, do you think? I mean.
1: So what I'm saying, Eric Wilson's going to be out there, for better or for worse. And he's a very flawed player, but he's very, very athletic. Very athletic, very good in coverage. Can't stop the run. You have to really hope for big years from Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave because you can't get an offensive lineman You can't let an offensive lineman get to Eric Wilson or it's over uh, from the running game perspective. Um, And then it's like, who's going to be that second guy? I think everything's open, but Alex is the best football player. And, you know, the other guys are all unproven, whether it's Taylor, throw Sean Bradley in there if you want, Stevens, Rashad Smith, Every single one is unproven. So, look. I think of any position Nick Sirianni likes to talk about competition. This should be a meritocracy. Who's ever a best scheme fit for what Jonathan Gannon should do should be on the field. Alex has got to prove himself. But I do know they want athletic linebackers, and you know Alex is more of the tough, physical. And I always remember. When I asked – the first time I asked Ken Plojol about Alex Singleton, he said Alex will show up when the pads come on because he's so physical. Kind of an old-school linebacker in a new-school world.
3: Yeah, he's very instinctive. I mean, he knows how to play the position, and that's the question you have about Taylor. Taylor is very athletic, but how instinctive is he? I mean, great, you know, backstory on him. Grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist faith, which – His Friday night is their holy day, I guess is what you call it. And, you know, never played high school football except for maybe one or two games. And then he went to a community college and earned a scholarship to Colorado. So you don't know what his instincts are. You don't know how he's been able to grow after one year in the league. I mean, that's going to be kind of a a fascinating watch to see. And will they go with Singleton? Yeah, he's got the great instincts. But, you know, we've seen him have trouble covering receivers or, uh, you know, players down the field. And, and if he can't do that, he might have a hard time getting on the field.
2: There are some wild cards on this team. Like like you said, Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley, they moved Gennard Avery gotcha. to linebacker as well too. I mean, there's some wild cards they have on this roster. So we'll see because I agree with you guys. I mean, I like Alex Singleton a lot, but the, he is a traditional linebacker in a new era where you need to be an athletic and all over the field type uh, linebacker. And that's really where, you're right, Davion Taylor fits into this mold. That's, that's what they envisioned for him when they drafted him. We'll just have to see if, he can overcome being so raw and developed under Nick Rallis and uh, Jonathan Gann's system because it wasn't even close or even looking like that under Jim Schwartz's or Campbell Jones. So we'll see
3: how that goes. But uh, yeah, And the one thing Singleton has in his favor is he's very good on special teams. You know, he's a good tackler on special teams. So uh, he'll have a role. I, I don't think he's in danger of not making this roster because, oh, you know, yeah, a good majority of your, linebacker or your special teams players are linebackers. Um, and, you know, Singleton's very good at that. Job. So uh, we'll see where it fits. You know, funny thing about Alex Singleton, remember John when we had Pete Carroll on the, on the conference? Yeah, call he didn't remember him. Alex yeah. Singleton, he's like, who? He couldn't even remember who Singleton was. So uh, hopefully he's got well, a little more specialty now.
1: And in Pete's defense, he likes the you know what. So,
3: you know. He, he, he's saying he visited the dispensary earlier in the he, day? Maybe- he's, a big, he's a big dispensary guy. <laughs> yeah. uh. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Ed, you and
2: I started this new state of the position series for the podcast and uh we looked at defensive end last time. I said we're gonna do wide receivers this time because uh we took <clears throat> we talked about Devontae Smith and Travis Fogum and and Jalen Rager to an extent, but uh we will discuss that. But I think the bottom of the rod, the bottom of the Jeff chart for wide receiver is what is the most intriguing. Like who's gonna make this group? Are they gonna keep five? Are they gonna keep six? Does Hightower make it? Does Watkins make it? Does Arsega Whiteside rejuvenate himself and prove himself under a new coaching staff? That's really wanted to focus on. And then not only that, uh, there's a the Patriots just made Nikhil Harry available, and it seemed like every Eagles beat raider jumped on that train of trying to trade for him. Uh so my question to you guys, let's let's review the position real quick. To me, it's cut and dry. Travis Fulgham, Devontae Smith, Joe and Rager, and see if They can develop under this new coaching staff and uh, really Nick Sirianni, who specializes in wide receiver development. So uh, that's to me what the starting is going to look like or what they're going to envision for the starting cast. I don't see them bringing in anybody in from the outside anymore. Do we agree?
3: Yeah, I, well, they brought in Michael Walker from the outside. You know, when you look at this it's coaching good. staff, you know, mm-hmm. they're not beholden to anybody, really, that's been on this roster prior. Now, of course, Howie will have a say in who stays and, and goes on this roster. But, you know, Michael Walker's a guy they liked enough to sign, I think, June 9th or 10th coming out of the OTAs. Yeah. Um, one of the advantages he gives you is he can play special teams. Most of that is as a returner. Um, a great he, returner. That's he, what it's about, Ed. Great returner. He could be. You know, so you can't just overlook Michael Walker when you talk about the bottom of this depth chart. Oh, you know, special right. teams, you know, again, wide receivers are important. Special teams players as well, just as linebackers are on the, uh, you know, on the defensive side. So you have to look at guys that play special teams. And Watkins and, and Hightower didn't play any special teams last year. Fulton right. played a little bit of special teams. But, um, you know, you, you, a guy like Michael Walker could have a shot here. Um, what does that do to guys like Watkins and Hightower? I think they're probably going to keep six receivers um, and maybe only three running backs, uh, but I can see a six receiver roster, especially given the way um, Sirianni likes receiver play, likes to develop guys. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see because I don't think both Watkins and Hightower will make the roster. I think one will try to get to the practice squad, but uh, – you know, we'll, we'll see. Because I think Fulgham's a lock. Obviously, Devontae Smith's a, a huge reason to watch the Eagles this year. I think it's going to be exciting to see him grow. Of course, I said the same thing about Jalen Rager last year. And, you know, he got hurt and was kind of beset by injuries and didn't have the kind of rookie year I thought he'd have. Um... But you know, both those guys are locks for the team, no doubt. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside—is <laughs> he going to make the team? I mean, I, you know, to me, I was all in on him last year. He always seems to have a good camp, and I thought, yeah, it's going to be a breakout year for for JJ. And then that never materialized. So, I'm going the opposite way with him, and I'm all out on him. I don't think he makes the mm. roster. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to talk to you in August, though, because JJ is going to be great in training camp, and we're all going to say, "Well, yeah." Uh so it's interesting. <laughs> But you're right with Michael Walker, you're right, he was a great punt returner at Boston College. And remember, Dave Caldwell signed him. Dave Caldwell is in the Eagles personnel department now, yep. got him in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he's going to make the team, but I think he's more in the conversation than the average fan realizes. Partially because you know, say, well, you have Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith. They don't want Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith worried about being a punt returner. I think they want them to concentrate on receiver. Don't worry about that. You might have somebody like Michael Walker in there to be the punt returner. Then as far as the receiver position, yeah, Quest Watkins is way ahead of John Hightower at this point. Now, mm-hmm. we'll see if John can come back in training camp. But to me, he's taken a clear lead over um, – uh, over John Hightower. Then it comes down to who's your fourth receiver going to be. Is it going to be Greg Ward or is it going to be JJ Ortega-Whiteside? Neither of them can help you really on special teams. Greg can return punts, but you're, if you go Michael Walker, that's not the conversation. Yeah, um, JJ doesn't help you at all uh, really from that perspective. I did find it interesting. One of the few things I got out of OTAs at, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they would work in on red zone stuff, they would have J.J. in the slot a lot in the red zone uh, to run some of those post patterns, just throw it to the goalposts and see if he can come down to it with his size. So I do think they're thinking about ways to utilize him, and maybe he's got more of a chance than some people think. But I think it comes down to Quest Watkins or John Hightower, and I think they're going to go Watkins, and I think it comes down to Greg or J.J., and I'll probably keep Greg. Uh, and then the top three, as you guys said, are going to be Smith, uh, Rager, and Travis Fulton.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. I think Ward makes it over J.J. or white side, but I do think that it is interesting because I, that was the conversation was that moving him to the slot – um, may be able to help him out a little bit, especially in terms of dealing with press coverage because uh, yeah. he's not been able to handle press coverage at all since entering the league. So we'll see if J.J. Seger-Whiteside improves. with uh, well, I mean, the preseason is going to tell it. He's going to be playing a lot of slot in the preseason, I would imagine. I'd so get killed cool.
1: for this, but I'd keep J.J. I love Greg Ward, great guy, but you got to get better. It's not an insult to him. Great the thing guy. Is, if, you get,
2: if you get rid of J.J., Who's your backup X to your unproven X?
1: Wow. Well, Nick claims everybody can play every position.
2: Yeah. Which I don't Yeah, buy. which I mean, yeah. That,
3: uh, I and Rager you know, talked a lot here's, about here's, playing in the slot, right? I mean, when we had Rager, yeah. he talked about getting a lot of reps in the slot. So, yeah, yeah I, think, I think Ward could be, you know, an endangered species. I, I kind yeah. of agree with that. I mean, you know, he's the leader of the room. He's a great uh, – he's got great chemistry with uh, Jalen Hurts, um, you wonder if that factors into anything. It certainly didn't when they decided to trade Jordan Matthews, who was Carson right. Wentz's best friend. So you don't know if that will factor into any decision. But I agree. I mean, they do have to get better. But is J.J. better than Ward in the slot? I don't know.
1: Well, no, I mean, if Greg if Greg beats out J.J., great. But I'm saying you have to get better. I mean, you have to get better. We know what Greg Ward can do. And Greg Ward is going to work hard. He's going to catch the football He's going to make some big plays. He's going to be in the right place at the right time, but you got to get better from an athleticism standpoint, an explosion standpoint. The point is, it's actually a bit of a disappointment if you can't get somebody better, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, than Greg Ward.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying that completely. Uh, also, I mean – it, it, it's funny because Greg Ward follows the pattern that Alex Singleton has to follow with this team. If you haven't proven yourself as a starter, you have to reprove yeah. yourself to new coaching staff. So Greg Ward has to earn his 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 roster spot to this coaching staff as well. So uh, it, I mean, I know that's crazy because I mean, Greg Ward has been like their most reliable receiver these last couple of years, but it's just the truth. Everybody has to come in and prove themselves to this new staff because they're only invested in the really the twenty twenty one draft classes who they handpicked. Everybody else is working to there earn their keep with this new. But well, remember,
1: he's invested. Howie's true, yeah, invested yeah. in the old. can forget actually. Howie. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah.
2: Howie. Howie's always on top of it. We yeah. <laughs> can't forget that. Yeah, but it is true. A lot of people have to prove themselves to this new staff, uh, and Greg Ward is one of them. So his roster spot is not guaranteed at all.
1: But yeah. we also, you know, who's in charge of the fifty-three? Nick Sirianni mm-hmm. might not know, but I know who's well, in I, charge of the game day roster. Nick Sirianni might not know, but I know. <laughs> Howie Roseman might say, you know what? We're keeping JJ because I drafted him in the second round.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he might say the same thing with Davion Taylor versus uh, Alex Singleton. Look, we're keeping S- uh, Taylor, not at the expense of Singleton, but we're keeping Taylor because I drafted him in the third round for crying out loud. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, yeah, that's a, that's a, and that's why Davion Taylor makes the team this year when he might not even deserve to. Because we yeah, don't know if he's going to
3: play.
1: By the yeah. way, Howie's not alone in that. I, everybody, every GM in this league wants yeah, their like premium draft picks to succeed, and they get the benefit of the doubt. That's just the way it is. Uh, and at some point, you pull the plug. We'll see if that it's that point with JJ, especially this. But I wouldn't, you know, people act like he's not relevant. I wouldn't go that far with JJ. I
3: think. Okay. I'll talk again in August, John. We'll see how... Oh, uh,
1: well, it's you know. going to be great in August. We know that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there is another finer point to it is, I don't... You know, this is obvious speculation is, Nick Sirianni specializes in the wide receiver position. That's where he originated from, wide receivers coach. And he was a really good wide receivers coach at that. I don't, I don't necessarily know if Doug Peterson knew how to develop younger receivers because there's no track record that proves so. Uh, besides Travis Fulgham's little couple stretch... Of, of dominance really there isn't really as strong and Nelson Aguilar's maybe one season in the slot where he played well with the Super Bowl season not long-term success with younger receivers now it's interesting you get Nick Sirianni on board who you saw that video with Devonte Smith I mean he goes fine comb over the little technician stuff whereas I don't know I don't know personally if Doug Peterson was up to that Standard with his wide receivers because it seemed like to me he's a player's coach, he trusts his players to play to their capabilities, and that's it. I mean, you're asking Jalen Rager to run fly routes majority of the time snaps he's on the field. I'm assuming you're just asking a player to do something that he may, you know, you're not really utilizing it from a technician standpoint, whereas Nick Siriani does. That's what JJR Sega Whiteside needs, to be honest with you. That's what Jalen Rager needs, to be honest with you. A guy that will go over a technician standpoint and coach them snap by snap instead of just trusting them and being a player's coach and letting them do their own thing. So well, it, I'll you tell could you see what, a different interesting like white side.
1: I'll tell you why I think that's a little bit unfair. I mean, Doug's the head coach of the football team, or Doug mm-hmm. was the head coach of the football team. Nick will be the head coach of the football team. Doug's background is obviously quarterback. So if you want to look cool. at it from that perspective, obviously Nick wouldn't have the expertise at quarterback that Doug had. Um, Nick certainly was a receiver, coach the position. That's his expertise, but he's the head coach of this football team. He can't sit with the receivers all day. I mean, he's he's yeah. got he's got other stuff to do. That's up there in Moorhead. I will say, and this goes back to Jeffrey Laurie, and Ed knows this Doug Peterson didn't want to fire Greg Lewis. Uh he didn't want to fire Mike Rowe. Now Mike Rowe got promoted. Um uh, didn't want to fire him as offensive coordinator. Um, and then came who was third? It was uh, Gunner. Gunner. Nobody cared about. Uh, yeah. Gunner Brewer. Nobody cared about. Carson Walsh. Uh, he didn't want to fire. Now people laugh at that, but he didn't want to fire. him. And then Aaron Moorhead came in. Um, he didn't get to keep his guys that he wanted to teach these players. So maybe hmm. they would have failed, but I I know Greg Lewis went to Andy Reid again, won a Super Bowl, got back to another Super Bowl. I mean, how could it be the worst wide receiver coach in the world? A lot of that, i look at Jeffrey Lurie and go, you know what? When it comes to the head coach, when it comes to the, the quarterback, even the coordinators, I'll say, okay, that's a, that's a decision the owner has to be involved in. Those are big-time decisions for an organization. It's his organization. When you're talking about position coaches and getting into the day-to-day teaching, he doesn't have the expertise to make that decision. Let Doug Peterson keep Greg Lewis. Let Doug Peterson keep Mike Crow. Let Doug Peterson keep Carson Walls. Then if he fails, then you know. So I will say you're right about the lack of development. Jeffrey screwed up that coaching staff.
2: That's a good point. Uh, from my perspective. No, that, no, that's a good point. That's a really yeah. good point.
3: But but to your point, Connor, that video of, of Nick working with the receivers, we never saw Doug do that. I mean, we we just saw Doug well, work with the receivers. And, yeah, right. I mean exactly. But and he was always with the quarterbacks. After each play, he would talk to the quarterback. He's not talking to the receivers. We always saw him work with the quarterbacks, but that is his area of expertise. Now, Nick has the area of expertise of working with receivers, so we're seeing that, um, and, and that's what you need. I mean, they want to do that three – you know, they want to play three receivers, and that's why he's here is to kind of coach up these receivers. And Brian Johnson now will be responsible for talking to Jalen Hurts and, you know, Joe Flack. Yeah, but is that, is
1: that good? Because I want my head coach, who's a play caller, Dealing with the quarterback first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I want. I mean, those two, those two gotta meld, man. I don't want them working the with the receiver. I want Aaron Moorhead. Okay, I'm not saying ever. I mean, he likes the position. Go help out. But that that's Aaron's job. I mean, yeah. I want this guy with the quarterback and and running the offense and making sure the entire thing. is 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 running in a a good fashion but that's for what it's worth
2: nick sirianni and phil rivers are best friends and i had fernando ramirez cover the chargers for sports illustrated on the show and that's what he said he did his first from his tenure with the chargers is that he phil rivers is always in nick sirianni's ear, and then the same thing happened in Indianapolis. i know he wanted to be reunited with frank reich as well but a huge reason why phil rivers went to Indianapolis too was because nick sirianni was offensive coordinator so, I do think he is capable of being well, in the he's quarterback a quarterback right? coach.
0: Right. He was a quarterback coach. He
2: was, yeah. Uh, in college, or was it Kansas City, too?
1: Uh, San Diego.
2: Was, San Diego, said. yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, he was one year in San Diego. Yes, that is true. Yes. I
3: forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but listen, You know, Nick, Nick can bounce around to all positions, and we saw him do that, yeah. too. You know, that video was just him with the receiver, but, but we saw him. You know, kind yeah. of all over the field, right. working with running backs. I saw him right in front of me during a running back drill. So he's not going to just say, like Doug mm-hmm. did, hey, I'm the quarterback guy. I'm staying with the quarterbacks. I think we're going to see Nick all over the place, working with every position. And, yes, the quarterbacks will be included in that. But that's one of the things that we're going to have to see from Nick Surihan is he, is he can't yeah. even plays. You know, that's the thing. What's he going to be like in game? Is he going to be able to make adjustments at halftime? I mean, these are things that we're going to find out as the season goes on.
2: Well, to John's point too. I mean, you have to keep a wide receivers coach. It's hard to develop wide receivers if you keep giving them a different coach, position coach to work with each year. And I think that was a huge indicator of why they wanted to keep Aaron Moorhead this year, is to finally have some consistency at that position, especially with your your entire corpse is covered with young receivers. There's no, the veteran of that group is Greg Ward. That's not that's not a ringing endorsement. So I I agree. I mean, how do you? It is true. How can you expect to develop? a young receiver room would you keep giving them a different position coach to deal with each year in and year out. It's, it's not, it's tough. Hard. Doug did have a tough hand uh, with that, with developing wide receivers when he kept giving different position coaches each year in and year out. I didn't really th- think of it at the time, John, that was a great point.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's my point with the coaching staff as a whole under Doug Peterson. He was never allowed that autonomy. I don't think he wanted it to be honest At, at to be honest at first, But as he grew after the Super Bowl, he did want the autonomy. I think that's why he's not here. He wanted to elevate Matt Burke to be the defensive coordinator, uh, press Taylor to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Jeffrey didn't like that. Does he have the expertise to make that decision? Uh, I would argue no, but we are where we are, and we'll see. I mean, maybe the shelf life was over, uh, but I got to tell you, I got a lot of respect for Matt Burke especially uh, Press Taylor, really smart guy. And I will say this. Remember, on Press Taylor, he was here pre-Doug uh, Peterson. He was a Chip Kelly guy. And Ed, I'm sure, heard as well. I mean, they raved about Press Taylor for years, how smart he was. How, and all of a sudden, Doug likes him, and he's a moron. I, You know, I don't know the thought process of, of Jeffrey Glory and Howie Roseman when it came to that coaching staff. I mean, it seems to me they never trusted Doug Peterson. He's the only guy that got him the Super Bowl title, and they trusted him even less from there. It's one of the bizarre storylines. I will never figure out as long as I'm around this team. They 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 gave Nick more autonomy with the coaching staff. It's, bizarre, really
2: to me. it's bizarre. Yeah, it is absolutely insane. <laughs> It really is. I'm always this whole entire offseason is going to they need to write a book about this Philadelphia Eagles offseason and how it went and all the behind the scenes stuff cuz I would read that front to back.
3: You got to find people to tell you about the behind the scenes right, stuff. Right, exactly. Because, you know, you got to get to the bottom of it. And that's that's not easy to do.
2: <laughs> all right, John, we got to plug in your sh- we got to plug in everything you do with the Birds 365. That's a great show. Uh can you let our viewers know what you're doing with that and uh everything's going on with that and when you're airing and all that stuff?
1: Uh birth 365 every day as a, a guest on that show often eight to ten uh live uh every day. Uh and and then you can watch it on demand anytime on YouTube, Jacob Media Channel, it's J A K I B, Billy Boyce. Um yeah, we've had some big time guests. It's yeah. you know, I just talked about some of the GMs. Mike Tannenbaum was good enough to come on, Randy Mueller, Andrew Brandt. Uh, Ed
3: Kratz, just <laughs> football
1: geniuses kind of mind.
3: It's a great show. It really is a great show. You really, you know, if you can't check it live, I mean, like John said, you can access it uh, wherever you get your uh, podcasts, right, John? I mean, it's a, it's really a, – a, a, it, it is just what it is, Birds 365, mm-hmm. man. It's talking Eagles and great guests, uh, so you should check it out. And, of course, you know, we all, all three of us uh, at EagleMaven.com, you can find us there too. Especially right now,
2: we're doing the position reviews.
3: Yes, yeah. John's been
2: grinding them out. Ed's been grinding them out. Go over to si.com slash nfl slash eagles for all training camp is here. here. What is
1: today? Thursday. We are less than two weeks away from the first practice of training camp. Yeah, which will be Wednesday, July twenty eighth. I
3: believe. That's right. Ten a.m. Right where media is allowed. That's
1: tentative. Tentative. Tentatively. tentative. Tentative. Yeah.
3: I know we have to get tested. Every two weeks. So I guess we'll be tested on July 28th and then every two weeks after that. Right. So
1: I got tested every day at
3: training camp Like It was
1: brutal. <laughs> yeah. When everybody else had the day off, I had to drive in there to get tested.
3: Yeah. It was. Awful. Well, you, yeah. Well, you were the rep, man. You were the, uh, you were our, our eyes and ears every day at practice. Yeah. Poor Zach be
1: Berman was the other one who had to get tested every day. So at the beginning of camp, real quick story, I know we got to go. We had an alt day, and Zach and I are like, oh, great. We don't got to come in here to get, you know, poked our brains. Uh, and 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 poor Zach went down the shore, and I'm like, uh, one of the Eagles PR people contacted me and said, yeah, you guys got to come in and get tested. And I texted Zach, and I said, Zach, we got to go get tested. And he's like, man, I'm down the shore. Uh, it's terrible. He <laughs> had to drive all the way from the shore to get tested, which takes two minutes. And then drive back down
2: the shore. Uh, oh man, brutal! <laughs> that's brutal. That's, yeah. that's a good way to end the show. I like that real quick. That's how serious the Eagles took COVID testing. So you're well, all know
1: everybody. I mean, it wasn't just them. You had that's yeah, NFL you know.
2: protocol, right? Yeah. But all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Use the right audio apps for Oops, you. Sorry, Siri went off of my Apple Watch. But thank you guys for tuning in. Real quick, we'll be back very soon. Eagles on filter, wherever you get podcasts. Follow the show on Twitch, YouTube. And then on anywhere you get your podcast, Fred, myself, and John, thank you all for tuning in.
3: Thanks, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.